Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by student pastor Devin Cheatwood. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. Well, as I'm continuing the series, I'm talking about how to lead when you have to start over. Um, and start overs come all kind of different ways. I've, I've had to start over in my own life a thousand times, so I'm, I'm sure there's people older than me who have had to start over more. Um, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about things in our lives that we have to start over. So obviously, like, you got to start your car every time. Like, unless you have, like, some super fancy car that don't burn a lot of gas, or you could just leave it on all the time. But you have to start your car every day. Um, you have to start over maybe on a video game if you mess up, or maybe if you're working on a project or you're painting something. I don't know. You may be artistic and you mess up. Sometimes you have to start completely over. But what I hate to start over is technology. Like, I hate the fact that you have to start over technology. Like, my phone, when I get an update, now I got to take my time, update the phone, restart. I'm missing text. Super, I'm a super important person, don't you know? Uh, <laughs> I'm missing calls. I'm missing all these things just because I'm like, Apple, come on, get your stuff together. You made this. You couldn't make it the best it could possibly be and then sell it to me? No, you sold me some messed up version that I have to continually update, and it's annoying, and it takes time, and it's just, ah, I hate the time that I have to waste by updating my phone. Um, but what usually happens is I update it, and then it looks a little bit different. The apps look a little bit different. I'm a little confused at first, but then overall the phone works better. Like there's less lagging, there's less mess ups, and the phone can do more of what it was made to do. And I believe that sometimes in the life, lives of Christians, God is wanting to restart us. He's wanting to start us over because he's wanting to update us, but we're frustrated about the fact that he wants to start over. So he's saying, man, maybe I'll, I'll change that later, or maybe I'll do that later. But God is saying, no, like, if you would just trust me, and if you would just let me update you and start you over, you will be able to do more of what I've called you to do. And so that's really what I'm going to um, talk about um, today. I've had to start over Recently, this last year, I've had to restart a bunch of times. I'm just going to be real. And some of it has been easy, and some of it I haven't done so gracefully. (laughs) And so um, last year, me and my wife, Sydney, got married. Come on. So that was awesome. Come on. Y'all can make some noise. Been married for a year. We made it, baby. No. Uh, No. So it was great. I love Sydney. Um, but I had to restart some things about my life. So I was living, you know, single guy, had some roommates, but I had, like, I shared a room sometimes, but then I had my own room for a while. And so, you know, I wasn't like, I wouldn't say I was like a dirty person. I was just like junkie, okay? Uh, <laughs> so my thing is like, okay, when I go to work, I come home, I used to just, you know what I'm saying, just throw my clothes wherever. I had this chair in my room. Come on, y'all got the chair where just all the clothes go? Come on, you got that chair? Don't try to judge me. No, <laughs> I just come in, you know what I'm saying, throw on some PJs. It don't matter if I get off at 2 o'clock p.m., I'm throwing on PJs, okay, because I'm at my house, all right? So Sydney does not like that idea of me doing that in our house. So she does not like when I walk in to the door and just drop all the clothes right there in front of the door and then go about my merry way, okay? So I had to restart how I put up my clothes, okay? She wanted me to put them in a hamper or in the washing machine, and from the washing machine to go to the dryer. And I had to restart, had to relearn how to do all this, okay? So we were married. I kind of got the hang of that. Um, Then Sydney got pregnant, okay? And um, I had to restart how I dealt with Sydney again. Here's the thing, okay? (laughs) Let me just, don't judge me in this next two minutes. Just let me get it out, and then you'll get it, okay? But if you judge on the front end, you're going to miss it, all right? All right. So I wouldn't say that Sydney was, like, more nice to me before she was pregnant, 
<laughs> See, I said, let me finish. <laughs> okay, so example, okay? I'll just give you an example. I'll just skip it, okay? All right, so I like, you know what I'm saying? I like to look nice when I leave the house. I like to dress. I don't like to come out of the house looking all crazy. You know, I wear my PJs in the house, but I like to, you know, I do the skinny jeans, jackets, whatever, ripped up jean jackets. I like to look cool, okay? Sydney sometimes doesn't like that look. So what I do is usually before I leave, I'll say, Sydney, how does this look? Because I'm not trying to embarrass my family name. I'm trying to make sure everything good. So before she was pregnant, Sydney would be like, uh, you know, even if she didn't like it, she may be like, oh, it's nice. Maybe change the jacket, maybe change the shoes. Maybe, I mean, you sure your pants, you want them that tight? Like, you ain't gonna be able to, you know what I'm saying? You ain't gonna be able to get nothing in your pockets. And so she was very nice and very coddling. Pregnant Sydney ain't had no time for that, okay? <laughs> so if I show her a stupid outfit, she's like, it's stupid. Like, <laughs> or she's like, you know, you can, you can wear it, but we just may, like, ride separately. We may, like, <laughs> and so, you know, I had, to re, I had to relearn how to deal with my wife. I had to restart some stuff, okay? So then we had a baby. Okay, it's great, beautiful gift of God, an arrow for me to shoot into the future. I thought it was going to be the best thing. Can't wait to play catch with him. But he just cried all the time. <laughs> and, like, and, like, I want to sleep, and he want to eat. So when he, he want to eat, he don't say, hey, I want to eat, man. He just start crying. So I'm like, bro, like, you forget. I'm going to feed you. It's not like I'm just going to ignore you. You don't got to cry, all right? And I want to hang out with his mom, but he want to be all ooh and on and being cute. And so take the attention. I'm just like, look, man. Ain't gonna be two daddies in this house, okay? <laughs> like, I had the attention before you were here, I need the attention after you're here, okay? No, but I had to, I had to restart my mindset, and I had to learn, I'm having to learn how to be a father. He's three months, so he still be screaming sometimes at night. But I'm having to restart every, everything that I go to, I'm having to restart and relearn some stuff, and I'm having to die more to myself because God has given me more, and he's not giving it to me to frustrate me. Um, he's giving it to me to bless me because he trusts me. And so um, I'm going to dive into that. Um, real quick, there's a verse I want to look at in Philippians. Um, it's chapter 4, verse 11 and 13. And in the, in the end of this scripture, we've all um, heard before, read before, memorized in kids' church, but I want to look at it maybe a little bit differently. Um, and Paul is writing here uh, to Philippi, and he says this. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Okay, so Paul is writing to this church because this church has started to send him gifts uh, while he was in jail. So Paul was out telling people about Jesus. Uh, the government was like, you can't really be doing that. So they threw him in jail. He locked up. He don't have anything. But this church started blessing him with gifts. And I believe that in the middle of this, Paul gives us like a nugget almost of how you can get to the next level, how you can lead uh, when you start over. And so there's three things that I really want to um, dive down on today. But I believe that Paul was the next level leader, and I don't think he was just, he doesn't, he's not just writing just to say thank you. He's writing also to teach them something and to teach us something. Um, and so if we're going to go to the next level, even when we have restarts, uh, we're going to have to do three things. And the first one of those is to get past the past. Uh, we're going to have to get past our past. Um, and this happens for me all the time. Every time I go or every time someone asks me for something more, I immediately think about the past. I immediately think about 12-year-old Dev who's insecure, who can't do it. And so even sometimes when I'm asked to preach or speak to someone, I'm like, man, oh, no, I might, I might just throw up in front of everyone. This might be bad. You know, I, I immediately go to the worst-case scenario because of my past. Um, or maybe something really awesome happened in your life. 
and you can't get past that. Maybe God moved, God did a miracle, God showed up in a way, and you're constantly looking back at that saying, man, if I could just get back to that, and my relationship with God could just get back to like that. But God is wanting to take you to more. So there's two verses I really want to look at uh, when we're talking about getting past our past. And Philippians 3, 13 through 14 is the first one. And it says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So basically what he's saying is I don't look back. I just press forward until Jesus comes back. And so whenever Jesus comes back, I'll stop pressing forward. But until then, I'm not looking back, whether it's bad stuff, whether it's good stuff, whether it's amazing stuff. I'm not looking at that while, yes, Congrats, God moved, and it's awesome. God is wanting you to push, push toward the prize. Um, and the prize is not what you had. It's what he wants to do in you. Um, and so the second verse is Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. And it says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And so I don't know about you, but I did not necessarily grow up with much, you know what I'm saying, time in the wilderness. Like my dad wasn't like a hunter or anything. He wasn't like, yo, let's go out and shoot ducks or whatever. I know around here, like a lot of people hunt. So that's like our thing. I see the pictures on Instagram. I'm like, how nice. I really don't like waking up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. It seems like it would be cold. It seems like I could just sleep in. But hey, that's your thing. But I do know one thing about the wilderness is that it's very easy to get lost in the wilderness. I know that it's not like they just have roads paved, like a highway going straight through the wilderness. But what God is saying is that I can make a way like that in the wilderness. God can make a way where it seems like there should be no way. I don't know if you've ever been to a landfill or, or a dump spot where they just take all the trash. But I don't, when I think of that, I don't think of a clean stream of water running through the garbage. Even if I did, I might just like... I mean, just double check, make sure I ain't on nothing, okay? All right? <laughs> and so, but God is saying that he can make a clean stream yeah. of water in the wasteland where everyone else goes to throw their garbage. God can make a way, and I believe that he can do that in our lives. But sometimes we are so stuck on the last season that he can't. Um, and I've and I realized in my own life um, that I usually value the season where I, where I knew, knew the most, where I had the most value. Um, and so, for instance, I remember when Pastor Stephen came up to me, uh, we had been doing kids' church for about a year probably, and we are getting ready to go to two services. Um, and he said, hey, Devin, like, you're, you're doing a great job, kids' church, but here's what I need you to do. I need you to kind of step back, and I'm going to have Sydney step up more, and we need to raise some more leaders. And I was like, look, bro, first of all, I ain't want to do kids' church when you ask me to. But then you asked me to, and I did it, and now I'm in love with all these kids, and it's amazing, but now you want me to quit? This is messed up, man. <laughs> Because I knew my value, I knew that those kids loved me. I knew that I could minister to kids. I knew that it could be, I could make it fun. But what Pastor Stephen wanted me to see is that if I moved out of the way, now we have so, like, I don't even, honestly, I don't know everything they do in kids' church because we have such good leaders that are leading it and are making it fun. And guess what? Those kids don't miss me. <laughs> I mean, they, they wave at me when I come, but those kids like Gary more than me. They be like, where, where Gary at? I'm like, man, Gary who? <laughs> you know? But if we will move, this is what I'm saying, if God can move you out of the way sometimes and if he can restart you and set you up on something else, it will still grow without you. Um, and I think that sometimes in the last season we knew our value and it makes us insecure to know that our value may change in the next season. And so it's a little insecure when I walk in kids' church and I'm like, what's up? And some of the kids are like, who are you? 
I'm like, oh, yeah, hurt my feelings. It's okay. You know, it can be a little insecure to step out on something. Pastor Stephen wanted me to come and start doing announcements, and I don't even know how. I can't remember that stuff that good. Like, I don't even, I say the wrong date sometimes. I say the wrong times, and I had to get up, and I didn't really get to preach or make nobody laugh. I just got to say details. And I'm like, Pastor Stephen, I'm not really a detailed kind of person. I'm more like I say a joke or something, but it's like ain't no jokes in announcements, okay? It's just say announcements. <laughs> and so it was insecure for me to step into announcements, but God used me in that, and God was able to use somebody else. And so we cannot constantly be stuck in the last season because of our insecurities. Um, and here's the thing. Sometimes we try to move forward while looking back, and it's impossible. Uh, let me explain. I got a little story from when I was in middle school, um, and I was playing football in the yard with my cousins, okay? Now, you can see me, like, you can look at me, you can tell I'm not like a football player, okay? I'm not, I don't got the build for it, I don't got the body type, I don't got the mental toughness, I don't got none of it. Like, F's all across the grading scale, okay? But they love to play football, and when I was a little kid, I was a lot more, like, um, adventurous. So I was like, yeah, but we got to play two-hand touch. Um, but they were, like, big in country. I was like, no, we playing tackle. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, like, praying to God. I ain't even believing him yet. I'm like, dear God, please don't let me die. <laughs> So the one thing that they had in their yard was they had their basketball goal in their yard. So we used to just play on dirt or in the grass or whatever. So they just had this basketball yard goal cemented into their yard. I'm like, okay, like y'all had time to just cement this, but y'all ain't had no time to put like concrete around or nothing like that. Okay. Anyway, let's do it. So I'm, I'm running this route. They put me a receiver because it's the least likely to like get hit and stuff. So I'm like, yes, I'll do that. Um, I'll play like way back where I don't ever get the ball. He was like, no, I ain't going to give you the ball, man. It's all right. You probably won't get open anyway. I was like, you're right. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't worry about it. All right. But so um, I run across the field and I'm open. So I'm like, hey, and my cousin throws me the ball. And then I'm running to the ball. And all of a sudden, the next thing I know, I'm just on my back and I don't have the ball. And I'm like, man, somebody hit me really hard. And I look up and it's the basketball pole. And now I feel really stupid because like, <laughs> I'm like, he's been right there the whole time. It's not like he just snuck over there and hit me. Okay. So now I'm crying. I'm like, it's not coming out of my mouth. Oh, I told you I didn't want to play. Oh. But the only reason I ran into the pole was because I was looking back and trying to run forward, and I ran into something that knocked me out. Now, I'm not saying, you know what I'm saying, you're going to run into no mailboxes or nothing. But what I'm saying is that sometimes if we're not careful, we can pass by what God has for us because we're trying to move forward and we're looking back. And so if we're going to go to the next level, we have to get past the past, the bad things and the good things. Um, the second thing we're going to have to do is after we get past the past, we're going to have to change our perspective. We're going to have to change the way we see things. And I realized that I joked about the, the steps of getting married and restarting when we got pregnant and when we had a baby. But I realized is that while when it first happened, I thought it was everyone else's fault. <laughs> really, the reason why I was struggling was because of my own selfishness. And so I want to look at two verses that kind of helped me shape my perspective. Philippians 2 and 4, and it says this, um, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. So when I read that, I was like, dang, you got, you got your boy right there. You got to value others and put their interests before me. So, so instead of, you know what I'm saying, when the baby start crying, be like, yo, Sydney, Sydney, go get the baby. 
maybe I just need to get up <laughs> and value his needs. Come on, because he's only crying really if he need to be fed or he need his bottom change, which both is like at the bottom of my like, like to do's. Um, but I just do them because I love them. Um, maybe I need to step up. Maybe um, I need to not put my clothes on the ground. Maybe it's not Sydney's. Sydney maybe don't need to say, tell me to pick up my clothes. Maybe I should just see it from her perspective and see that if people come to my house and my drawers just laid out in the living room, <laughs> maybe that don't, and maybe that ain't what we're trying to do. Maybe that doesn't produce a life-giving home, a life-giving environment, a culture that we want to set, okay? And so it's our perspectives that have to change, and we have to value others above ourselves. The next verse is this, John 12, um, verse 24. And it says, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be productive in my life. Like, I want, I want to do stuff. I want to see stuff happen because of me. Like, I want God to use me. And what this has told me is that I have to die to myself in order to produce more. I have to die to myself every day in order to produce more. And we have a lot of Christians who want to produce a lot, but they don't want to die to themselves. Like, God, I want to do all this for you. Okay, well, quit that. You know, how much can I do if I keep this? That might be enough for me, <laughs> right? We have to die daily. And so there's three really thoughts that I have of if we're going to change our perspective. First, we're going to have to transition from being a, the victim to being a victor. So this was a huge one for me because where I'm from, like, it's easy to make excuses. Come on, my dad wasn't in my life. So, you know, if I mess up here or there, well, I could just blame him. My dad wasn't in my life, so if, if I had a dad, then I would be good. Um, or maybe, like, if I made a bad grade or something. Like, I was the excuse maker in my house. Now, um, there was a lot of personalities in my house because there was, like, nine kids. So you, you get it. You got, like, two, and you like, ah! My mom was like, ah! All right? <laughs> but one thing <coughs> that my mom did not like is if we made excuses. Uh, she didn't, like, if she told you to, like, do the dishes, ain't no excuses for doing the dishes. Like, I was like a, maybe some of y'all in here do, remember doing chores, or maybe you're a teenager, you do chores right now. I was like the soak'em dishwasher. I'm like, hey, if you got even a little speck, I'm just soaking them. I just put them in the, <laughs> I just put them in the water so they can soak, mama. But no, my mama would wake me up like, Psh, boy, you better get in there and wash the dishes, okay? She did not allow us to make excuses because she knew that we could never develop into men and women who did anything um, if all we did was make excuses. And so we cannot live a life where we play the victim. Um, it's not, woe is me. It's not, oh, look how terrible my life is. And I'm not saying that to belittle people's, belittle people's uh, circumstances, situation. I know bad things happen. Um, but it's not enough to stop what God has put in you. Like, God is bigger than that, and he can use you in spite of that. So you have victory. Um, the second thing you have to do is you have to serve more than you're seeing. Um, you have to serve more than you're seeing. And so I know sometimes, uh, like, me and Adam and people, you see us up here doing announcements, and you're like, oh, this is so cool. Like, I wish I could do announcements like them. But I know that Adam has served way more than he's been seen. Come on, just this last week, those dudes was in the rain, taking stuff back from house fairs. They had some rotten pumpkins in the back. I don't know if they pumpkins, but you leave your pumpkins there. Uh, you have to serve more than you'll be seen, and you have to look for opportunities to do that. I remember, um, I'm so grateful, uh, the first time I got a ministry job in church, okay? I'm going to tell you a little bit about it, all right? It was as a janitor. All right, it was so fun. It was great. I was terrible at it, okay? <laughs> I was so bad at being the janitor that they actually, like, hired somebody else just to clean up, like, after me. <laughs> it was like, oh, man, this dude ain't doing it, man. But we love him, but he just ain't good at this, right? And so God had to put me in that position to humble me before I was seen before people, and he's wanting to do the same with you. And he's still doing the same thing with me. 
Like, I still have to be able to clean floors more than I'm seeing. I still have to be able to search opportunities to serve people more than I'm seeing. And the best place that I've found to do that is the local church. Uh, whether it's in the sound system, whether it's on the band, whether it's on the cleaning team, whether that's in kids' church, whatever it is, the best place that I've found um, to serve and where people are usually like a little bit nice about it, you know what I'm saying? If you mess up, it's just like, hey, we have grace. God loves you. Um, but you can also serve in other places. Salvation Army, Goodwill, you can go to local schools, you can do whatever, but find a place where you can serve more than you're seeing because it'll produce something in you and service unlocks favor on our life. And all the people who are closest to me are the people that I serve with, yeah. are the people who I see all the time. And that's not because, oh, you serve, I'm going to pick you as my favorite. No, we're just doing life together. People always say, well, as a youth pastor, you really shouldn't have favorites. I, I know, I shouldn't. I shouldn't, but I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, maybe, like, the kids who show up early and help me set up and, like, stay late and help me clean up. I'm going to just be real with y'all. They're my favorite ones. I love them. All right? Now, I love all the kids, but I'm saying, like, if I had, like, $5 left and all your kids needed one, I'm going to just give it to the one that was serving the most. <laughs> and so... As you serve and unlocks favor on your life yeah. with people that maybe you didn't even think that God would bring across your path and would build a relationship. I didn't know I was going to marry Sydney. We were just doing kids' church. And she saw me work with them kids. She was like, oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I didn't think there's this guy who does our ushers. Me and Heath, there's no way me and Heath should be friends. I grew up in the hood. My mom was not like, so let me tell you a little bit about Heath. Heath is like a super patriotic guy. Like, he got American flag, everything. And he played, like, he played the national anthem in the house. Like, he just, so we moved in together. I'm like, bro, this is kind of weird. This ain't what I do. Because in my house, like, we, we don't talk about politics. Like, we didn't do that. My mom wasn't like, you need to know about America. Like, everything I learned, I learned in school. But Heath is like, he know everything about America. I'm like, okay, this is a little weird. But now, me and Heath are really good friends. Why? Not because we just sat down and hashed out all our differences. No, we served together. We, we were up here putting the chairs together. We were up here at the interest meeting. We were standing late. And so we became friends over time. And God is one to build relationships between us that if you will serve, you will see your relationships go to another level because that's how much he loves you. Um, and then the last thing you're going to have to do, if you're changing your perspective, uh, you're going to have to change from look at me to I see you. Um, whenever people come into church, I never want to get in a position where I'm like, oh, look at me at all I do. Like, hey, I'm doing the next generation. Like, look at me. I'm cool. I'm cool. I got skinny jeans. Hey. Like, I don't want to be like that. People don't want to come around people who are like that. I want to be around some people that are say, hey, man, I see you. I see that you're going through something. I see that you're hurting. Hey, you said that in life group the other day. And I just want you to know, man, I'm praying for your family. I'm praying for you. People want to be seen. And it's up to us to see them. And so as we're going through restarts, if you want to learn how to lead and go to the next level, it's to really stop being concerned with yourself. Because again, I say this, God is not as concerned with your insecurities as you think. <laughs> He's not up there like, hey, I don't know if I want to call so-and-so to do that because I know it's going to make them really insecure. If he is, then I'm jealous because he's never done that to me. He's just like, I don't care if it makes you insecure. Go do it. <laughs> and I think that may be partially like Stephen's personality, too. And God mixed together because Stephen is like, hey, you know what, Devin? I know it may make you a little insecure, but what you need to know is that I do not care. And the first time he told me that, I was like, you don't care, man. You're a man of God. You're supposed to care. I thought this was what this was for. But it's not that like we don't love you or that he didn't love me. It's that God loves you so much that he will not let your insecurities stop you from doing what he called you to do. And so, <clears throat> yeah, y'all clap and make some noise. <laughs> We're going to clap, let's do it, okay? 
And so a lot of times, I'm going to go back to the, to the wilderness in Isaiah 43. A lot of times, at least for me, like if you drop me off in the wilderness, it will bring up a little bit of insecurity in me. Not going to lie. Like I am, my dad, like I said, he ain't teach me how to hunt, so I don't know how to kill nothing. And I'm assuming it ain't just going to be like no grapes or nothing out there. And then, like, how I'm raised, like, Sydney don't let us eat fruit unless we wash it. So there ain't going to be nowhere to wash it. So how am I going to eat it? So I'm not really, like, a wilderness type of guy. Like, some of y'all got beards, and y'all like, yeah, I could survive. I don't even know where my knife at right now. I don't know how to kill stuff, okay? I don't know if I could do it, all right? I'm like, I'll just die so the animals don't, don't die. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm not a wilderness type of guy. So sometimes we get restart and we, f- we get restarted and we feel like in the, we're in the wilderness and it rises up some insecurity, so we just stop. But I'm just, I'm joking, but if I get in the wilderness, I'm gonna have to fight a tiger. I'm gonna have to do something. I'm gonna have to kill something, maybe a little gecko or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to move forward and we have to change our perspective because God is wanting you to go into more for somebody else. Um, and this is what I'm learning, and like every time I go through something, I'll be like, oh, God, you forgot me. And then he, re- he reminds me, like, hey, I'm bringing you through this, but it's not just for you. It's for everyone that you're going to minister to. And so when you go through something, when you're in the wilderness, when you're getting restarted, just, re- just remember that. Yes, God, this, this is teaching me something, but it's not just for me. It's for somebody else that needs it. And that's something I always like try to remember because it keeps me from giving up. I don't know about you, but when somebody needs me, I get like this, oh, I get like this adrenaline rush. Like if Sydney's car like to break down, I'm like, I can fix it, even though I have no idea. <laughs> I'ma Google it on the way, all right? <laughs> but I'ma I'm a be, I'm a man up, all right? So when we're needed, um, God, it, it rises something up, at least in us men. I don't know how women work. I ain't study all the biologies. So I ain't really that kind of smart person, okay? But I know in me and in most men that I know, like if your kids start crying, I'm like, oh, what's up? I can save you, even though you just need a bottle, okay? Um, but God is doing something in you so that it can help someone else. So after we get past the past and after we change our perspective and, and really start focusing on other people, God is wanting us to trust the process um, that he has set for you. And so if you follow the NBA, you know, Joel Embiid, come on, this huge center, he's like, trust the process. I don't know how to do his. But basically, he got hurt a bunch, and now he like dunking on everybody. So he trusts the process, all right? So it's catchy, all right? And so Paul was writing to them and telling them, hey, trust the process. And this is what he wrote in Philippians 1 and 6, and it says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so what he's saying is this. God does not start something in you just to stop it. <laughs> he starts it to continue, continue you on a path to growth, to greatness, to all that he has for you until Jesus come back. And so until Jesus falls out the sky, we're going to be growing. And so whether I'm 5, whether I'm 15, whether I'm 35, whether I'm 85, if Jesus ain't came back, or my little heart thing ain't go, dude, then I'm going to be growing, okay? I'm going to be seeing what God has for me. I'm going to be going, taking the next step because I trust his process. Jeremiah 29, 11, and I know we've all um, read this and heard this and memorized it in kids' church. Um, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has plans for you. Come on, it feels so good to know that the maker of everything has plans for my life. He didn't just have a plan when I was 20. He didn't just have a plan when I was 30, but he has plans for my whole life to prosper me, to not see me harmed. And so while you may be in the middle of a situation that feels like, this don't feel very prosperous, this feels very harmful, (laughs) God is wanting to bring you out of that because ultimately the process is that you continue to grow until he comes and until he returns. 
God has more for you. And it's not just something like God wants to use every single person. This is something that I've been um, sharing with young people a lot, is that God wants to use you. While, yes, he wants to use me, and I'm going to just do what he asked me to do, but God personally has stuff for you to do. But if we, will, if we just sit, and we just sit in the wilderness, and we just act like God can't make a, a way when there is no way, and we act like God can't be, bring a stream in the middle of a garbage dr- dump, he will do it through somebody else, and somebody else will see it. Now, it's not personal. I'm not attacking you. But even Moses had to watch Joshua lead the people, the people that Moses led for 40 years around in circles. And you're going to jo- let Joshua walk? He was willing. <laughs> he wanted to grow. He followed the process. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us as Christians, I feel like sometimes we mistake the process with just praying. Like, oh, God wants to do something, so I'm just going to pray about it. And he's saying, me and Cindy pray. We love to pray. We pray at church. We talk to God. You got to talk to God, okay? But that's not it. <laughs> you have to step. <laughs> you have to step. So, the, like, so for instance, if you need a job right now, it is in God. You don't have to pray about if it's in God's will for you to work or make money. If you are able, God wants you to get a job. I'm just telling you, I'm going to just be the voice of God into your life. He wants you to get a job, okay? Now, we have options, okay? We can either A, just pray and hope that God will send a recruiter to your house to just give you a job. But in my life, when I've been looking for jobs, that never happened to me. So maybe I'm not like, maybe I'm not qualified enough, but nobody ever knocked on my door like, hey, Mr. Cheatwood, we were looking for qualified candidates, and we thought that you fit the bill, man. I know you didn't, I know you didn't put in any applications, I know you didn't call up here. I know you didn't come by here, but God just put you on my heart, man, to give you a job. If that happened to you, praise God, it's a miracle. (laughs) But maybe your step, if you want to get a job, maybe you need to step and fill out some applications. (coughs) Maybe you need to step in some places that say now hiring and say, hey, I'm looking for a job. Here's my resume. But here's the thing. We cannot just pray and just wait without stepping because God is looking for those who will step. Come on, he's looking for that. So what is your next step? What is your next step? Maybe you just got introduced to this Jesus guy and you kind of accepted him into your heart and you're trying to live right. Maybe your next step is just to go public with it and get baptized. And we have, uh, we have baptisms all throughout the year, baptisms, baptisms, okay, <laughs> all throughout the year. <laughs> and you can get baptized. Maybe you've been baptized and you feel like, man, I kind of got that. I, kinda, I really love this church. I, I really love what y'all talk about. But you want to know, how you can get plugged in. Or you want to serve, like I talked about. You want to serve more than you're seeing. You need to come to Framework. Come on, you need to hear what it is that we're doing. You need to see the vision. Because here's the thing. You know why I did not stand about school when I was in school? It's the lunch ladies, man. Lunch ladies so fake, man. And maybe you're a lunch lady. I'm not. It's not personal, okay? But they'll just serve us anything. Like they said it was Sloppy Joe. It didn't look like Sloppy Joe to me, okay? It's not the Sloppy Joe I had. They said it was a burger, like... Beef, but it ain't taste like beef, okay? They say it was pizza with pepperoni. The pepperoni tastes like chips. I'm just like, hey. I just want to know, like, do y'all know what y'all serving to us, okay? And for us at the house, we want to be people who know what we're serving. We don't want to be serving people something that we don't know. And so that's why we ask people to go to Framework. you like, man, I'm a grown man. I can serve. I can do a parking sign without going through Framework. We know you can. (laughs) 
but we all want to have the same vision. We all want to be on the same accord because in, the, in Acts, that's when the Holy Spirit started to move and do great things when everyone was on the same page. And so maybe you need to go to Framework. Maybe you've been through Framework and, and you want to get on the dream team. Come on, you got to take your next step. I'm going to just say, talk to me after service. Come on, I need some people in students. I need some people in kids. Maybe you're great with kids. you like, I love kids. You, you got kids. Your kids love you. All their friends love you. You need to be in kids' church. Come on, my wife is like, hallelujah, you better preach. <laughs> but we need people like you to do something in those kids because we're constantly growing leaders. We're constantly wanting to see people raise up. And that starts way with babies. Come on. I'm praying right now that they're in there. I don't think they're just babysitting my son. I don't want them to just baby. I could just pay somebody to do that. No, I want them to be speaking life. I want them to be praying over him. I want them to be speaking vision into his life, saying what God has called him to be, because that's what church is for. <laughs> Maybe you're on the dream team and you've been serving and you've been killing and everybody's like, I want to be like them. But there's these people at your work who maybe don't even know that you go to church. Maybe you just need to step out and invite them to church and bring them and see God do something in them that you saw done in you. Because while we have to get past the past, we don't need to forget where we came from. Does that make sense? So while I get past my past and it doesn't hinder me, I don't forget all the things that God has done in my life up until this point so that I can do them in other people. So I can say, hey, man, I know that this is hard, but this is what God spoke to me. Hey, I know that your relationship with your dad is bad, but this is what God ministered to me in that time. Maybe you have a gift with music or maybe you have a gift with green people. I don't know what it is, but I do know that God has a step for you. God has something that he's wanting you to go into more, and he restarted you so that you could see it. He could see what's in you, and then he can take you to the next level. But God's not just up there like, oh, I think I'll hit restart on this one. And then restart on that one. And then restart, restart, restart. Like, he's not just a trigger-happy guy. No, he's restarting you so that he can launch you into more reaching out. Maybe you're doing all that. You're just killing it. You're just like, man, I'm, I'm inviting people. People getting saved because I brought them. Here's what I need you to do. And this is kind of the stage where we're at, is that I no longer come to church for me. So I don't have a seat. I always thought that was funny when I first started going to church. People were like, oh, this is my seat. I don't see your name on it, ma'am. I don't have a seat in this church. I don't have a specific thing that I have to do or the spirit doesn't move. I don't care what music they play because I'm here for the people who need it. I'm here for the people who are going to experience God. I'm here for the people that are going to experience Jesus for the first time. And so maybe your next step is to stop coming to church for you and start coming to church for everyone around you. And so some of you are new and you're like, man, they only been like two weeks. You want me to switch them? No, what I'm saying is that if you already passed these steps, then your next step is to start thinking about other people. It's to say, God, what can you do in somebody else through me? So those are the, that's the lens that I come to church with. It's not, man, if the temperature ain't right, the Holy Ghost don't move. <laughs> uh, man, I don't know what was up, man, with those songs. We've been singing the same songs. I don't care. I care that people experience Jesus. I care that, I went, hey, I went through the wilderness. I had to restart. I stepped into the promise, and this is how you can do it too. You guys stand up with me real quick. I believe that there are some people here who may feel a little bit stuck. Like God restarted you, but he didn't tell you he was going to do it before he did it. So now you're just like, ah, what happened? <laughs> and when I think of people like that, I think of Job. And I, I think of how like the, God allowed the devil to take everything from him. Now, I like to think I'm a man of faith, okay? But if I start getting boils and I, kids start disappearing and, my, and all my money gone and my wife tell me to curse God, 
I'm gonna be like, God, you gotta show up, buddy. Like, it's something, we gotta do something. But Job refused to curse his Lord because he knew that God had a plan. He knew that there was a process, and he knew that God was getting ready to do more, and he's ready to do the same thing in your life if you would just step. You're not stuck. He's just waiting on you. Like, God is not saying, oh, I'm, not, I'm done with that person. I got him this far. No, God is wanting more for you, but you have to step. So he restarted you. He wants to see you go out, reach out to people. And here's the last thing. I, I was praying this morning, and... Uh, Katie sent me this text just encouraging me and making me feel good. Like, Katie is like the ultimate, like, hype person, okay? I know you don't see it, but you just say something, you're like, oh, I could do this, okay? I could do it. I got it, all right? But I feel like there's some people in our church who have been restarted. Um, and maybe you've been restarted financially or maybe uh, relationally. Um, I really feel like there's some young people who have been restarted relationally, and it's really taking a toll on you because all the friends that you had, you no longer have, and it really hurts. And I know what that's like, but what I'm saying is that God is getting ready to bring the right people into your life. He's getting ready to bring the right impacts into your life, the right influence. And so don't give up. Just step out. Be friendly. If you need friends, just be friendly, okay? (laughs) We got a bunch of friendly people in this church that want to pay for your food and stuff, so I I love that. Uh, (laughs) But really, I feel like for our church, God has restarted us. We've been in a time, come on, if this last year, if you've been around our church, there's been so much crazy stuff happening. People getting wrecks, people getting sick, people having babies, just all kind of change. And God is saying, I was restarting you, and I'm getting ready to take you into more influence. And so we need to be ready for that influence. I'm going to pray over everyone. We're going to go back into worship. But thank you guys for letting me minister, and I really appreciate it. Dearly Father, God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you that you have a heart to see us grow. God, you have a heart to see us take a step. God, you don't forget about us. God, you order our steps, God. God, help us to change our perspective. God, it's not about us. God, it's about everyone that can come to you through us. God, help us to go to the next level. Even when we're reset, even when we feel like giving up, even when we feel like we're not good enough, God, you call us good enough. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.